Hafa day, everyone, and welcome to Crimes Without Conviction here on the KUAM Podcast Network. In this special episode, Sabrina Salas Matanani shares what the Guam Police Department's plans are to restart a cold case unit, what the future opening of the new DNA lab in Mingila will mean to solving crimes, and GPD gives you a tour of where cold case files are stored. This is Crimes Without Conviction with Sabrina Salas Matanani here on the KUAM Podcast Network. Captain Scott Wade with the criminal investigation section as well, and we have our detectives here. Uh, Chief will go ahead and um, inform us to why we are here. Thank you so much. All right, hi, good, good morning, everybody. And so uh, I'd like to thank all of you for joining us today. Uh, there's been a lot of questions or uh, inquiries about our cold case uh, uh, files and uh, the unit itself. And I think a lot of this was driven by the success in the recent solving of uh, two uh, uh, homicide cases, that being the Messier and the uh, Castro case. And it kind of spurred uh, the, the interest on, uh, you know, what are we doing with the other cases? Uh, as you all know, uh, the Guam Police is challenged with uh, personnel. Uh, but uh, despite that, though, uh, you saw that uh, when information becomes available, and there are good leads in cases, uh, we actively pursue them until you know we run out of leads or we successfully uh, clear them and make arrests. And so I think that that was very important in the last two cases. So there have been a lot of questions about how many cases do we have, where are they at, what's going on. And so, um, you know, really uh, there, there was at one time very active uh, unsolved homicide uh, uh, investigators. Uh, I think most of you uh, I've worked with uh, back in the early 2000 when I oversaw the uh, team closure uh, task force. Uh, I was in charge of the, um, the unsolved homicide team at that time. We actually uh, successfully made an arrest from a 1970s case. Uh, I traveled to San Quentin prison uh, and then I traveled to another prison I think uh, somewhere in California, besides San Quentin, uh, to to do some interviews of uh, two uh, eyewitnesses to a uh, a murder. Uh, from that, we were able to come back, get an indictment, and fly over to Saipan, and make an arrest uh, for an unsolved homicide from the 70s. And this was back in uh, 2000. So uh, you know, th there's a lot of success when you put uh, you put a team closure task force, or you put an unsolved homicide uh, task force together. Uh, on top of that, I think uh, DNA is here, and it's not uh, the future, it is the here and now, and when it comes to solving uh, unsolved homicides. And so I think uh, if you look, uh, if you do some research, uh, I, there's been a great success from like, uh, the, the, I believe it's called the Golden Gate uh, Killer, uh, up in the San Francisco area. And that was used uh, with uh, what was uh, termed as familial DNA. And so they had these unknown DNA samples in many of these unsolved homicide cases from the, the Golden uh, Gate Bridge area in the San Francisco area. And it was through uh, another arrest of a family member of the main suspect, uh, familial DNA, where they were able to identify the, the suspect and the killer in that case. 
And so, you know, looking forward and and how we can use that that uh, technology, that forensic science, I think that ties in with what's going to be happening soon with the Guam Police Department because we have a DNA lab that's being constructed. It's going to be done soon. And uh, that gives us an opportunity now uh, to kind of come together as the Guam Police Department uh, with Captain Scott, uh, Detective Mandia, and uh, Detective Google and Major Andrew, and also working together with our Forensic Science uh, Division team to go back and look at our old case files uh, because, you know, a lot of it was just following up on leads, doing interviews, checking up on witnesses. But now, how do we take what we have, apply the forensic sciences to it, and use the, the, the DNA capacity that we're building to maybe help some uh, solve some of these crimes. And I think, uh, like I said, DNA is the, the here and now, and we have to leverage that, that forensic science uh, to help us solve uh, some of the, these long lingering crimes. So, uh, you know, it's very interesting because I, I, I was um, contacted by many uh, former uh, or retired police officers from the 70s and 80s and uh, they've come forward and said, you know, Chief, we'd like to help you out and, you know, provide you our, our guidance and, and, and insight uh, when we work these cases and, uh, you know, maybe use that information so that we can uh, give to our current detectives so that they have a way forward and maybe use, uh, again, using the, the forensic science that we have now, the technology uh, to help solve cases. So uh, from here, uh, there's after the questions, we can take you up to our file room and kind of give you a walkthrough on uh, what it looks like. Uh, you know, this is not, um, you know, the, this is not the, the prettiest thing you're going to see, but you know, it is what we have and what what we uh, what, what we have in, in our custody. Okay. So, any questions? Now that you've been able to get past some of those challenges with the shortage of staff, so you guys continue to hire more and more officers, and with the DNA lab uh, in the works. Um, what would you say to the loved ones of the, those um, those victims in those cold cases who still have so many answers for what happened? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, th there's probably, I think, over 100 cases. So, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of loved ones out there. Uh, you know, it's a very difficult thing. You know, I've actually, uh, like I said, when I did uh, the interview for, um, you know, the uh, Shizu Cronin case uh, recently with one of the, the other media, uh, you know, I remember working with uh, the, the family back then, and you know, it's very, um, it's very, it's a very difficult thing, uh, especially when there's no closure, when there's no arrest made. But uh, you know, uh, again, you know, our job is not to provide false hope to any family. Uh, we just deal with uh, the evidence that we have, the leads that we have, and, and and try and come to a successful resolution. And I think you know that that really played out with uh, the MSCA case, you know. It sat uh, for seven uh, uh, since 2017, you know, and uh, again leads were developed, and you know we, we were able to uh, bring that case to a closure. Do, do you plan on reopening the whole case unit or reestablishing one? Uh, yes, ma'am, uh, we we do, uh, and I think in sometime uh, very shortly, uh, we will, uh, you know, we will augment because uh, the officers that are, are here today, you know, uh, are from the crimes against persons section. But uh, we would like to augment them with more officers, uh, you know, to, to have a full, robust uh, unsolved homicide team. Because with unsolved homicides, you need to have a dedicated team. Uh, you can't have a team that's going to be called because something else is going on today. Because they get di their attention is, is diverted, they kind of lose traction in cases.
And are you planning to establish that cold case unit to coincide with the opening of the DNA lab in February? No, I think what we need to do is get in front of it before the opening. Uh, so the you got to understand when the DNA lab opens, uh, we're not going to have the personnel to start doing DNA analysis. There's going to be a, a learning curve for them. There's going to be training. There's going to be certifications, accreditations, and things like that. So, so how soon, I mean, what, is that training available online? Or are you going to have to send your officers off island? Or are you going to have trainers come so, so, uh, so, so we are working with uh, the DNA lab in Hawaii, the forensics uh, science lab in Hawaii. And uh, we, we are going to be working with them closely to see what we can do to model uh, their experiences and their training and curriculum. Yeah, so the last conversation I had with uh, our criminalists who are going to be transitioning over to this DNA lab, it's anywhere from a, I think, 12 to 24 month uh, period before we, we get them fully certified to conduct DNA. 12 to 24 months. So two years? Almost, yeah, up, up to two years maximum. So It, we're, we're, so right now, we're, we're, uh, of course, the lab was supposed to be done in October, but of course, with everything else, it's been pushed, I think, till January, February time frame. But uh, in the meantime, what we're doing right now is we're actually ordering uh, the DNA equipment, DNA lab equipment. So that's another process that we're going through as well. So that's not going to happen uh, anytime soon. And so hopefully get that in maybe mid part of next year. Yeah. And so where we're going, we're going to be looking at Files. When you say files, are you looking at paperwork, or does this include like the DNA evidence? I don't know. If no, like, it's, uh, you know, unfortunately, because these are these are criminal cases, uh, yeah. it's just boxes you're going to look at. Really, it's just boxes you're going to look at. You know, but I mean, there, there's some names of the boxes. You know, some of them look familiar, some of them may not look familiar. But what about the DNA evidence that we're talking about? Is that also stored in the boxes? No, those those things uh, may be at different repositories for evidence. Some may be at uh, the crime lab. Some may be at our evidence control section. And then, which is a good, another thing that we're going to, you know, talk about because I think we have some traction now in our, 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 our uh, evidence control uh, section uh, building. Uh, I think DPW is going to be awarding the um, the design portion for the building uh, sometime soon. I'm waiting for the official notification, and you know, we'll, we'll have a, a press release for that as well. But. Uh, you know, a lot of things are falling in place, you know, with the, you know, the, the governor, lieutenant governor, you know, uh, focusing, you know, their attention on public safety. Uh, we're going to be building the evidence control section soon. The DNA lab is coming up with Dr. Kada and her team. Uh, we're building capacity for that lab with personnel hiring and personnel training. And so I think this is an opportune time to go back and circle back to those unsolved homicide cases and leverage the, the forensic science and the technology now with DNA. Uh, you know, to, to move forward. So the objective really is before we get DNA lab up and running and, and, and the training and experience uh, and the personnel there is going back to these cases and saying, this case has DNA. Uh, uh, there may be DNA samples here that we, we need to start looking at and we can start sending it to the lab for, for our review. Yeah, so it's going to take a, a lot of working together with not just the, the detectives, but also with uh, the, the DNA lab experts now and saying, yes, this, this is a good case that we can start looking at the, the samples that you have uh, to determine if there are any DNA is present. What have you found as the best avenue for solving a cold case? Is it an anonymous tip or something like that? 
Uh, it's a combination of things, really. It, it, it's tips, it's, uh, it's forensic science, and, you know, sometimes it's just going back and, and really looking at, at, at the case itself. So I'll tell you, I, uh, drawing uh, from my experience, that case that we saw from, uh, from the 70s that, that we did in 2000, what it was really is uh, the suspect, uh, after committing the homicide in Guam, got on a plane the same day and fled to Saipan. And so what happened is that the, ca the case just kind of fell through the cracks because nobody ever followed up on uh, the lead in Saipan, uh, you know, and the person in Saipan who fled to Saipan, uh, he committed another murder there. And so, you know, he was convicted and because he was sent to jail, again, you know, uh, the thought was, well, he's in jail already. We can't get to him. We can't extradite him back to Guam. But, you know, coming in, uh, 30 years later uh, looking at that case and saying look you know let, let's give it a shot one more time and you know it, it worked out because we were able to get an indictment and uh, we actually uh, brought the person back to Guam. And after how much time do you decide okay this case is cold? Uh, you know there, there, there is no uh, time frames involved it's just a matter of uh, have you run out of witnesses have you run out of leads have you run out of uh, you know, uh, forensic science uh, applications that you can use to help solve crimes, you know. So it's really, and sometimes, you know, some, it, it's getting other people who have not worked the case. It's getting a new set of eyes and, and a fresh set of ears on, uh, on these cases to kind of, you know, look at, look at it and say, you know, maybe investigators missed something in the past. Maybe they didn't think of an angle that, that uh, could be new. And, uh, you know, it's just... Um, you know, you, you, you never know. And that's the thing with unsolved homicide cases. Okay, anybody else? Yes, are there any cases from this year that are probably possibly going cold? I can't think of think of the top of my head. You know, I know uh, the Ogun the, the family, I think, from the 2020. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, that, that's one of the cases where there, you know, there, there's still some work to do. But, you know, unfortunately, we... we uh, We've tried to stay on top of that case as much as we can, but we you know with all that's going on with the, the other cases, you know, we kind of get, again, our, our attention is diverted. And so we always make sure we try and circle back to other cases, make sure that we tie up loose ends. You mentioned the, uh, the former chiefs, former officers, home safety, uh, willing to help uh, and provide background and uh, knowledge of some of the cold cases. How soon are you looking to? Those are those are the things that we're going to be working on with uh, these officers, that, that the retired uh, police officers, uh, or former police officers who work these cases. Uh, we'll be having discussions with them. Uh, you know, uh, whether they're going to come back as a reserve or they just want to offer their time. You know. So one of the uh, things, though, that because I've talked to some of them and they really are wanting to help, but they're saying that well, we're told that in order for us to to help, we have to pass the post test. And these guys are, um, you know, older. <laughs> I don't right. think they can go and do a Yeah, and, and you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, th that's the reality of the the, 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 requir the legal requirements, right? But that's if we're going to bring them in as a police reserve officer. Now, again, you know, this is discussions that we're going to be having with uh, these officers who, uh, retired officers who want to offer their time and service and see if they want, you know, want to just, you know, Provide guidance and it's actually just not just guidance, but you know, mentoring uh, the, the the young officers that we, the young detectives that we have. Because you know, 
I draw a lot of my experience from the officers that I work that I learned from, you know, the older officers. How often do you uh, again, depending on, on whether or not we have a lead. And so, like, you know, the, the Messier case was a four-year-old case. And, you know, we revisited it when a lead became available. Um, since you brought it up, uh, the Messier case, uh, the autopsy was completed. Can you confirm now uh, whether or not the remains are, in fact, at Messier and same for Michael Castro? No, I can't. You know, I, I think, uh, again, uh, that's a discussion that I've had with the Attorney General and the Chief Prosecutor, Basil Malin. So I'm, I'm still going to leave that in their hands because I think they're, they're best suited because they've been working directly with the forensic pathologist in that case. Sorry, just one more. Sure. Um, you mentioned with the training that these officers are going to get 12 to 24 months. They get this training, they're at the new DNA lab, then a new chief comes in. Who's to say what assurances can you provide that we're not going to start it all over when a new chief comes in and you've got all these guys that are trained up and then they're moved out? The officers? Yeah. No, no, no. The, 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 the DNA lab is going to be staffed by criminalists. Okay. Yeah. So that's a different group. Those are civilians. Yeah. So what about the officers that are trained up? Right? You said that they get certain certifications or is that no. all that is? No. No. Uh, it's just training, and I mean, it's just the experience that you bring uh, to the table. So we, we rely on officers who uh, have been at criminal investigation section for, for several years uh, because they've had that experience, you know, working other cases, robberies, and sometimes uh, new homicides. And so they bring that to the table. Okay, so they don't need any specialized Yeah, so, so there, there is no, I mean, there, there are some specialized trainings. Uh, there's a basic uh, homicide investigator's course, the, the advanced homicide investigator's course. One of the courses that, that I'll be sending the officers to, along with the, that I'm planning with, to send with the prosecutor, it's uh, sponsored by the International Homicide Investigators Association, IHIA. And so uh, there's a training in February for uh, cold case, no body uh, uh, homicide investigations. So how long, how long have you been working on the forensic lab? The forensic lab, uh, I think, is for the was a, I think it's about a year or two already, okay. but the, the construction is ongoing and it'll be done soon. And so the, the you said there are like a hundred some cases, right? Uh, uh, the the evidence that you do have now is it stored properly? Uh, yes, as you far as I know. Any of it is gone. I, again, you know, we we won't know if any of the evidence has is degraded over time, because uh, you got to remember, you know, uh, we've the Guam Police Department has moved multiple times over the past uh, many years that I've been here. And so, uh, and th that's really the objective of building our own permanent evidence control section, mm -hmm. our evidence building, is that we don't have to move anymore. Uh, we're gonna, just like your question, make sure that evidence is stored properly and uh, you know, make, make sure that uh, things don't degrade over time. Yeah. That's a good question. There's a long talk about Some of it uh, looks like it's a little damaged. Yes, yeah, so, so uh, what had happened is the old unsolved homicide scene was actually next door, uh, the other building. And I think... Cat. 
you remember what year that was? That heavy rain? So what happened is that there was heavy rain. This was in the second floor next door. And apparently there was a leak in the roof. And uh, there was a lot of damage not only to the, some of these files, but also to some of our equipment in our office. Uh, but these are copies of reports. Remember, uh, all original reports are stored at our record section. Yeah, so. Will you be digitizing your, your file? Uh, Yes, the, the, so uh, some of these cases are actually all, all digitized, uh, digitized already. Maybe some of the older ones from like the 70s are not. Uh, as you can see, that's probably going to be a, a task in and of itself uh, because we're up to the ceiling with cases. Is this all of them? Most, yeah, I think this is the majority of what we have in file. How many? I don't, I don't think there? There, these are all hundred of them. Some of them may still be in the uh, secure room, yeah, because we have a, a file room that's secure. Uh, strictly for unsolved homicides. What's the oldest case? What year? Might be the. Do you have any of the? What, which one? The 70s. The 70s? Do you have any of the 70s cases? It's all back here. Yeah. Well, back here. Where Rick's at. <laughs> What's inside these boxes? It's just for police reports. Police reports. Yeah. Yeah. Witness. Police copies of police reports. Witness the interviews. Uh, crime scene. Uh, crime scene sketches. Maybe uh, some of them we have copies of the photos. Because, of course, all original photos are kept with Crime Lab. Can we look at one of the boxes? I can, can op open them up. I don't okay. think this, I mean, like I said, you know, these just have you know, files oh, wow. and reports in them, right? Pictures. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, some of these, some of these cases, you know, ring a bell uh, uh -huh. for me. Uh, which one stands out for you? Just on this side. On this side, I have a lot. Of, so let me see. Wani Bailey. This is the one from uh, uh, Talofofo. Mm -hmm. This is the one uh, where she supposedly fell off a cliff. Did you ever follow that story though? Like the oh, was it the husband? Yeah, th there was a lot of information uh, mm -hmm. regarding uh, the uh, suspicious uh, nature of the death and, and the husband. And um, th that's really where, where it ended, yeah. Uh, you didn't ever hear after he left Guam no. what happened to him? As in possibly... No, I think he may have left back to, is it Thailand? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we haven't heard from him since. And we haven't had any major developments. Mm -hmm. uh, Tomas Castro, Pierre Marine. Uh, this guy was found dead in the parking lot of Pier Marine in Upper Tuman. Uh, that's the one over by the golf driving range. So this guy actually, uh, we believe it's a drug-related homicide. Uh, I think they're, uh, they're about to, uh, uh, he was about to come to his death, uh, and he jumped from the sixth floor, and, uh, he jumped to his death. So... Unfortunately, he died. Mm -hmm. Let me see. These are all open, right? None of these are, are closed, right? Yeah, none of these are closed. So there's the ones uh, others have talked about, the Michelle Limtiaco. Yeah. I didn't work on that, unfortunately. Uh, whose son, Kennedy? So Homeland Garden yeah. Apartments. Mm -hmm. Is this the one in Tomoni? This may be the one in Timonini, mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. 
It's yours. You know, people might look at these boxes, some of them water damage. If you can just assure the community that these, these are backup files, because yeah, the, this, I would be kind of pissed. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, like I said, these, uh, these are copies of uh, uh, original files. The original mm -hmm. files are always kept at the record section. Yeah, Ronald Chargolev down there. That was a drive-by shooting at uh, somewhere in the Mukfug area. I remember that case. Yeah, that was during the the height of our uh, our gangs, the mm -hmm. uh, the street gangs up in uh, the the uh, northern area. And I know this is something we've talked about, and I've talked about this with some of the former uh, chiefs during crimes without conviction. Is the importance of the community if they know anything? Yes, yes, absolutely. If, I mean, we have, we have crime stoppers, we have our police dispatch, we have our criminal investigation division. If you know anything, and you you know you're 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 feeling now that you know now is a good time for you to come forward, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the people that we've probably encountered in these cases are still around, and maybe they're, they're willing to provide information. So if you know, if you have any information you want to share now, uh, please come forward. Uh, we'd like to bring closure f to these uh, cases uh, for the families, yeah. most no, importantly. Yeah, because yeah. no, these aren't just boxes. No, these are not boxes. These represent families. These represent victims. This represents uh, the ability to somehow bring closure. And I think that's the most important thing for families, uh, bringing closure. There are more than 100 cold cases that remain unsolved by GPD. If you have any information, you are urged to call the Guam Police Department at 671-472-8911.